sing a song. I hope you guys kind of grab the words of that about waiting on the Lord. And it's such a fitting new song. It was a great song. I, and I can't wait to sing it when we, we can get the words on the screen so you can like see the whole thing. But like it's such a, such a great song to proclaim our trust that we're waiting on him. We know there's a waiting. We know that there's a lot of different aspects of that waiting, but we're proclaiming that. And we're talking about that right now. We're, we're in this section of Matthew where Jesus is talking about his, his, his return. And he's talking about what we do in the meantime, because we're in the, we're in the middle of this. We're in the middle of this between his first coming, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension of the Father, and his return one day. And we're in the, we're in the middle of that. And last week, Nick was looking at that parable of the, um, the bridesmaids, the, the ten virgins, and the five of them were very prepared when the, when the groom finally showed up, and five were not prepared. And they missed out. They, they, they missed out on the opportunity. That was a it was t- telling us we need to be prepared for his coming. It could happen at any time. So we need to be prepared. We need to be watching. We need to be waiting. And we need to be prepared. We need to have faith to trust that he is coming back. And then this week he tells a different s- parable. And it's, it's still in the context of what are we supposed to do while we're waiting. And then you see in this parable that he also wants us not just to be prepared, not just to be waiting, not just to be watching, but also to work. Like that we're called to work, that he's given us an assignment, he's given us a mission. And so sometimes we, we kind of see this whole, I, I got my ticket to heaven, you know, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And, and sometimes even as parents, we can see that as the finish line for our kids, right? I put my, my kids profess faith, they put their trust only in Jesus, we baptize them and we're like, my work is done. When really, it's really just beginning because it's this journey that we're on. But we see it as like, I got my ticket to heaven, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to this bus ticket to heaven, and then we just kind of do whatever we want. And we just kind of, like, what, what do we do in the meantime? And here's what the Bible teaches us, what Jesus teaches us over and over. is there's a lot, a lot for us to do. There's a lot of opportunities right in front of us. <clears throat> I remember when I was in middle school and high school, which some of you students right there, you probably think that they didn't have middle school and high school when I was that young. You're wrong, Okay. Some of you think that they did, but I don't really remember it, and you're wrong too. Like, you're all wrong. I I do remember middle school and high school. I was very new to my faith at that point, but here's how I would define my faith in those years. It really changed for me right before my senior year. I I would define my faith as it kept me out of trouble. So much of my Christian experience in those early years of my faith was basically defining the boundaries, defining what I, what I don't do. This, I don't do this, and I don't do this, and I don't hang out with these. Like, I, I don't go to these kinds of things because I'm a Christ follower. And here's what I was missing. I was completely missing all that God had for me to do. And we can so focus on the things I'm not supposed to do that it doesn't ever show up in our lives how we're supposed to be serving, how we're supposed to be following, how we're supposed to be obeying. And Jesus puts these opportunities in front of us, and there's an expectation that comes with that, that that's what he has called us to do, to be serving. And, and it wasn't until uh, a youth minister came into town and really, really began to show me that. Nate Flowers was up here singing on this mic, I think, one of these mics up here. He's, he's one of the guys singing. His dad was my youth minister. That's why you probably think I didn't go to middle school and high school like you did. But that. His dad came into town and began to teach and began to show me, like, there's, you're missing so much in the Christian life. There's so much that God has for you to do. There's so much serving. There's so many opportunities right in front of you. In this story, you have three servants, and they're all given different, different amount of talents. And you have two that do really, really well with the talents. And then you have one that, that does nothing with this talent. 
And in the story, the master rebukes him harshly. This is one of the more harsh rebukes in our Bible. I mean, you, you're worthless, you're a sloth, you're, you're wicked. Get him out, cast him in the outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Like, this is a very harsh rebuke. And, and just stop and think about it, because you may have heard this story before. Think about this. He, it, it's hard to even say what he did wrong, isn't it? Like, he didn't, he didn't steal the master's money. He didn't waste it. He didn't spend it on himself. In fact, when he came back to the master, he's like, hey, I just buried it, and here, you get, you get back what's yours. Nothing happened to it. It's like he protected it. He, he didn't do anything wrong with the money on, in, in the, on the surface of the story. And he gets this harsh rebuke. And I think it's, it's just this reminder that our lives really matter. What we do really matters. Like Jesus is calling us to follow, to obey, to serve. Now, don't, don't mix it up, right? It's not that this story is about earning our way to God or earning our salvation. That's so clear in the Bible. That's so, the gospel is so clear that we can't earn our way to God. We can't earn our salvation. But on the other side of our salvation, God is saying, in the waiting, I want you working. I want you serving. I want you following. There's so much for you to do. There's so many ways for you to get engaged and be a part of what God is doing and building his kingdom. And this rebuke is coming because, not because he did something wrong with the money, but because he wasted his opportunity. He completely missed out. And so as we look at this story, I think there's a lot we could say about the guy who missed out. And we're going to actually stop a little bit later and talk about him specifically. But if you back up and look at the whole story, here's a story about two out of three, two guys who did it right. And they got the commendation that we're all looking for. They got the, this is what, when you're striving the Christian faith and you're following and you're, you're, you're serving, this is what you're hoping for at the end, that you stand before Christ at some point and he says, well done. You're a good and faithful servant. Come into the joy of your master. Come enjoy the festival. Enjoy the party. Come on in. Like, well done. That's what we're longing for, for Jesus to look at our lives and say, well done. You've been good and faithful. And so I think that we can look at this story and we can, we can kind of see in these two guys and really see in the bad example of the other guy, here, here's what it looks like to live a life that Jesus would describe as good and faithful. Here's at least a picture of it, a slice of that picture of what it looks like to live a life that is good and faithful. And so I want us to do that. I want to make some observations about that, about this idea of being good and faithful servants. I'm, I'm going to give you some statements that I think this story kind of it tells us as it forms that picture for us. I know a lot of you like to take notes. I'm going to, I'm going to try to repeat those stories. If you, if you didn't miss, if you missed something because of the screen today, come find me and I'll, I'll, I'll give you these things if you really want the notes. But here's where we can start. Good and faithful servants, and you can just write that if you like that. Write that as a heading. Good and faithful servants have been given everything they need to serve God. Good and faithful servants have been given everything they need, everything we need to serve God. So in, in the story Jesus tells, he talks about talents. And that word's kind of weird because that word means something different to us than it would have meant to them. So we hear talents when we think about abilities, we think about gifts, we think about skills. This word talents for them meant money. It was a unit of measurement that was associated with money. 
most of the scholars will agree that the, the, the least amount of money that this was talking about was a year's wage. Like a normal job, normal pay for a whole year was one talent. That was the least. It could have been more than that, but most people think it's at least that. And so this one guy was given five talents. He was given five years' wages. Like that, that's how much he was given. The, the equivalent of somebody working for five years and getting paid, he was given that in one lump sum. And another guy was given two, two talents, two accumulation of yearly wages, and this other guy was given one. And it's easy on the surface of that story because we don't really understand what a talent is. It could it be, was it like a nickel? Like, what's the exchange rate? Like, what's going on? It's really a pretty good sum of money. And so it kind of leads you to this place where you understand, like, everybody had plenty. And the guy had one. He had, he had more than enough to do what God was calling him to do. He, he had more than enough in the story to do what the master expected him to do. We have everything that we need in order to serve God. We, we have, we've been given everything that we need and to serve God faithfully. And so you, you look at this guy and he's got, he's got one talent, the other guy's got two talents, the other guy's got five talents, and, and you, you need to kind of say, okay, what is this really talking about? Well, in that story, it's talking about money. In our language, we kind of assume, like, okay, that's talking about talents. I think there's some middle ground that we need to find here, and I think this is maybe the best way we can understand it, is he's really talking about opportunities to serve. That God has given us everything we need. He's given every single one of us an opportunity to serve him. He's put it right in front of us. In the context of a church, there's opportunities all around us all the time to serve. In the context of our community and our world, there's, there's opportunities right in front of us to serve, to make him known, to be on mission. He's given us an opportunity. We've all been given an opportunity, and we have everything we need to take advantage of that opportunity, to embrace it, to live it out the way that God is calling us to do. And with the opportunity that he gives us, Jesus is connecting it to a responsibility. We have an opportunity, every single one of us. We have every, every one of us has been given an opportunity to serve. And then you have a responsibility to serve. And I want to show this, and I want, I want to make sure we don't confuse it with what the truth of the gospel is. And so I'm going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. These first two verses are probably familiar to you. And sometimes we tag on verse 10, and sometimes we forget about it. But it's really connected. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. And so that's the gospel, that we are saved from our sin, from our rebellion by grace, God's grace. We place our faith and trust in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross, him dying in our place on that cross, and that's how salvation comes to us. It's not a works thing. We don't earn it. We can't be good enough. We can't be faithful servants enough to earn a right standing with God. The only hope for every single one of us is to put our faith and trust in what Jesus accomplished that we couldn't accomplish. We are saved by grace, God's grace, his mercy, his love, his kindness. He chose to rescue us by sending his son to be our substitute. That's how we're saved. That's our only hope. And then you connect it to verse 10. We are his workmanship. He did this. We're created in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that as a Christ follower, we're a new creation, that God made us a new creation. In Ephesians 2, before this, it talks about that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, and God made us alive, that we were dead, and God stepped in because of 
Only God could do this, and Jesus did this for us, and he made us alive, so we're new. We've been created in Christ. We're his workmanship, and then he says this, we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. These good works are something that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So in the waiting, you have your faith and trust in Jesus. You know that you didn't earn your salvation. You, 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 Jesus gave it to you as a gift, and you received that gift by faith. And in the waiting, you are now been given a, ro- a role. You've been given a, a, a job, a responsibility, a way to serve, a way to follow, a way to obey. I mean, the whole Bible like tells us this, but specifically, we've been walking through Matthew for a while, and this one of the messages, one of the common themes that comes up over in Matthew over and over and over again is that the way you live your life matters. Jesus is calling us to a higher view of righteousness, a higher way of living. How we treat our enemies, different from the world. How we love one another, how we treat each other, like all these different things. How how we're supposed to view the world, how we're supposed to follow him, how we're supposed to obey him. It's all a part of this. Our lives, the way we live our lives matter. Because he's created us for these works to do. He's put these opportunities in front of us. And he he says at one point in Matthew that the tree that doesn't bear fruit needs to be cut down, thrown into the fire. Because our lives, the way we live, really matters. That's, that's why if you're doing what I was doing in high school and you're just singing the songs on Sunday and then you're staying out of trouble the rest of the week, you're not really, really, you're, you're not really embracing what God has called you to. He's called you to so much more, to serve, to live, to follow, to build his kingdom. And we've been given everything we need. It's his grace that saved us and it's his grace that works through us, the power of the Holy Spirit working through us to help us accomplish and and embrace the opportunities he's put in front of us. But we've all been given everything we need to serve God. So in the story, the guys that did it right, here's what they did. They just used whatever God had given them to serve his purposes. So if you're taking notes, let me help you. Good and faithful servants use whatever God has given them to serve his purposes. Good and faithful servants, another characteristic from the story, They use whatever God has given them to serve his purposes. And I think that's a really important part of the story, especially the word whatever in that statement. Because they got different levels of talents. One guy was given five. One guy was given two. One guy was just given one. And the the two guys, the five and two, they just, whatever they had, whatever they were given, they just used it to accomplish what God wanted them to accomplish. They just put it to work to build his kingdom, to serve God's purposes. And that, that whole whatever they were given, there's a, there's a key phrase in this passage. If you still got your Bible open to Matthew 25, I want you to look back at verse 15 when he gave out the talents because there's a key phrase that I think we miss. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each, here's the phrase, to each according to his ability. So here's the, here's the picture you need to see. The master's like, you know what? This guy right here, I think I can trust him with five. This guy right here, I think I can trust him with two. This guy right here, I can trust him with one. And he gave each according to his ability. So every single one of us has an opportunity in front of us to serve, but those, those opportunities are different. Like They're supposed to be different. This is the way this whole thing is supposed to work together as the body of Christ, that we all have a different role to play. And he's going to give you an opportunity that's going to match your ability. Now, don't hear that the wrong way. It's really easy to go, oh, man, he just gave me one talent because he knows I'm pretty limited. <laughs> that's not what he's saying. 
He's saying, in this season of your life, man, this, there's some seasons where we don't have as much time and energy to give as in other seasons. In this stage in your spiritual journey and growth, you're ready for this. And he puts that in front of, uh, opportunity in front of us. In this season of life when everything's going great, he puts this opportunity in front of us. He gives according to our ability, according to our bandwidth. Now, he obviously wants to challenge us. He wants us to move up the hill. He wants to stretch us a little bit. So we need to have faith to step out there. But you just need to know that he's given you everything you need because he's put an opportunity in front of you that matches where you are right now. And you get to step into that. It's not about... This guy didn't have much, so he didn't have much to work with. No, you, you got everything you need and more. You got more than you need. Here's the opportunity, and it matches where you are. It matches your ability. It matches where you're ready to step into the game, where you're really, really to, ready to engage. That's why when the Bible talks about the church, it uses different metaphors. It uses the, the bride metaphor, but it also uses the body metaphor, that everybody has a different role to play because we're all like a body and we all have different parts. Some of you guys are eyes. Some of you guys are ears. Some of us are mouths, some of you guys are feet, some of you are hands, some of you guys are legs, some of you guys are backs. You find what part I am and you sign up, you get in the game. If you're a back, don't sign up for our loading team, okay? Everybody knows you don't lift with your back, right? You need to lift with your legs. So we don't want backs on the loading team. Maybe that was taking that too far. So anyway, you have an opportunity in front of you that matches your gifting, that matches your ability, that matches your season of life. And what these guys did is they just used whatever they had. I got five, I got two. I'm going to use whatever I have to serve God's purposes. Whatever God has given you, the opportunity in front of you, you say, okay, that's what I'll do. I'm going to jump in right here. That's where I'm at. And that's how you fulfill that. Good and faithful servants trust God enough to seek his kingdom first. Say it again for those of you that want to write it down. Good and faithful servants, trust God enough to seek his kingdom first. In the end, these guys are just servants. In the end, everything that they get an opportunity to do is because they're servants to this master who's able to give them this money and put them to work. They didn't have that opportunity if they weren't servants, but they understood that. And so they were just serving Everything they're doing, right? I got, he gave me five talents. It's not my five talents anymore. It's God's five talents. It's the master's five talents. And so I'm going to build it. I'm going to make it five more talents, and I'm going to give it back to the master because I'm here. I'm going to trust God enough to seek his kingdom first and to build his kingdom first and to give him what is his. It's really easy to see that in the story, but it's not easy to see in our lives, is it? Like we don't see ourselves as stewards we see ourselves as the owners. We see ourselves as the guys calling the shots. We see, I'm in control of this thing. I'm going to figure out where to do this. What's the best thing? What's the best way to invest things in? And we get so off-centered in that that we forget that everything we have comes from God. Everything. The amount of money in your bank account, the amount of time that you have, the amount of energy you have, the amount of uh, abilities you have. If you want to talk about talents, the talents you have, everything that you have comes as a gift from God. And the Bible's very clear that we are not the owners of the resources. We are the stewards of those resources. We need to be able to trust God enough to put his kingdom first. To trust God enough to say, I'm going to build your kingdom. The first part of my resources is going to go to build the kingdom. The, 
the first part of my time and energy, and we, we all have the same amount of time, right? But like how we prioritize our time will show how much you trust God. Will you trust him enough to build his kingdom first? Will you trust him enough to, to leverage our lives and to burn ourselves out for his glory and his fame and his mission before our kingdom? Matthew 6, 33 is a, a verse that's probably familiar to you where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And, and that's such a good verse, but it comes at the end of a, 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 of a section in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is teaching, and he says, hey, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. And you're like, okay, what is he talking about? When the section right before that, he's talking about birds and flowers. He's talking about anxiety. He says, why are you so worried about what you're going to eat? Which is not like, where are we going to go after church? But <laughs> why are you worried about where the food's going to come from? Who's going to provide it? He goes, would, would you just look at the birds? Ain't no bird out there like behind the plow, like tearing up the ground and planting food, growing it themselves. Birds aren't storing up food in the barns. They're not smart as squirrels, right? They're not doing that. Look at the birds. Because you're so much more valuable than birds. So why are you worried about that? God's going to take care of that. He says, some of you are so worried about what you're going to wear. And I'm not talking about what you were doing this morning before you got here. Like, I don't have anything to wear. I don't know what to, like, no, I'm just talking about how you're going to clothe yourself. How are you going to provide for yourself? And we get so stressed out about that. Got to save enough. Got to have this. Got to do that. He says, would you just look at the flowers? Man, Solomon, who had all these resources, was, he probably wore a lot of purple, the color of royalty. Even he was never as adorned as nicely, as beautifully as the flowers that are in the field. They don't make their clothes. They don't knit. They don't sew. They don't have anything going like that. They just, God just makes them beautiful. You're more valuable than flowers. You're so much more valuable than grass. It's here today, and then we cut it and throw it in the fire. Like, you're so much more valuable. So why are you not trusting God with these things? And then Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. And then he comes to this point, and he says, here's what you should do instead. Build the kingdom first. Seek his kingdom first, his righteousness. And then guess what? All those other things, they'll be added to you because you can trust God. You can trust him with all the details. Yeah, we're going to work and we're going to serve and we're going to be prudent, but we're going to build his kingdom first and then trust him with everything else. The good and faithful servant is willing to just serve for the sake of serving, to trust God with everything that he has. And to build his kingdom first. So here's a good point. To look at this one guy who didn't do it, who buried his talent in the ground, and go, why? Like, he's going to get rebuked, but why did he not do it? Why did he miss the opportunity? If this, what we're really talking about is an opportunity to serve God, why does this guy miss the opportunity? Or maybe even bigger, why do we miss the opportunities that God has put right in front of us all the time to serve? And so let me give you a few reasons that I think if you could see in this guy, you could kind of project, like, I bet he was thinking this, but I know we are thinking these things all the time, of what causes us to waste our opportunity. The first one is we believe lies. We believe lies, and that causes us to check out of the game, put ourselves on the bench. I'm not going to do it. Look at verse 24. He also, the third servant, who had received the one talent, he came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, 
you're reaping where you did not sow and you're gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. So the first thing he says is, Master, I knew I couldn't trust you. I knew you didn't have my best interest at heart. I knew you were a hard man. You, you, you're just going to try to reap where you don't even sow. You're going to try to get something where you didn't even work. You make me do all the work and you're going to get all the benefit. Like This guy's saying that while he just watched the other two servants get their commendation. They're invited into the party, the joy of the master. All this stuff, is, it's crazy how great it is. The master's treating them so well. But in his mind, he's looking at the master going, can't trust that guy. He goes back to the garden. The, not your garden, the garden of Eden. And Satan came up to Eve and said, hey, did God really say that? Can you really trust God? You think he has your best interest at heart when he says don't eat of that fruit? No, that's not what God's all about. He says if you eat that fruit, God knows you'll be just like him. And he's trying to keep some good things from you. He's trying to withhold some good things from you. And that lie's still going on today. That lie will still make you not serve the Lord, not put his kingdom first, not build his kingdom first, because you'll think, eh, I don't know if I can really trust him. I don't know if he'll really work all things for good like he says he will. Like, I don't know, maybe not, maybe forget sometimes. We, we, we kind of look at this and we, we start believing some lies that God's withholding some. Man, and this whole idea of building the kingdom first, rec- recognizing you're a servant, you're a steward, none of it's mine, it's all his, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out what he wants me to do with his resources that he's entrusted me. On this side of that, that looks like that will never work, right? That looks like, what? I'm going to give everything, the first, first part of me, the best of my resources, the best of my ta- time, talent, uh, energy, all that to God. How's that going to satisfy me? Because we're all about our own satisfaction. And then you step out in faith and you begin to put his kingdom first. And on the other side of this, he doesn't just add all the necessities to you. You find fulfillment, joy, meaning, and purpose. And some of you have that testimony. You have that story. Yeah, I didn't think this was going to work that way. I didn't know I could trust him. But when I did, when I put my faith in action, I found out I can trust him. That really, that's the only path of joy. The path of building my own kingdom and living for myself and storing up everything for myself, I think that's going to make me happy, but it's always, always, always a dead end. It always leads to, oh no, that didn't satisfy me. I need more. That didn't fulfill me. I need something else. And when we put his kingdom first, we see this other side of this. So we... We, we sometimes miss the opportunity because we're believing these lies. We don't, we don't like choose to believe them, but we still do. We also miss the opportunity because we doubt it will work. Like, I, can he really use me? I don't know if he can really use me. I don't know if I have enough. Well, here's what this parable is teaching us. You have everything you need. God has given you everything. He's the giver of this. It's his power. It's not your ability. It's his power. An opportunity. He'll supply everything you need for that, and yet still we go, I'm not sure it'll work. I'm not sure I can really do that. I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure that God made a right choice when he said that. We look around, we go, man, there's so many people here, there's so many people doing it. Somebody else will do this. They don't need me to do this. Somebody else will do this. Somebody better than me will do this. We just don't believe it'll work. Some of you, let's be honest, some of you are here because you've been wounded in the past. Somewhere in your past, there's, there's maybe some church stuff, and it's hurt you, and it's real, and I don't want to dismiss it at all, but some of that, sometimes we're like, yeah, you know what, I tried that, it didn't work last time. I don't know if I'm going to try it again because it didn't work last time. 
If you've ever tried to serve God and it didn't work out like you planned, welcome to the club. Here's the club. The whole Bible's full of people that just tried to do something. And man, so many times it didn't work out like they thought or hoped or planned for it to work out. And it was okay. God's looking for faithfulness, not results. Those are up to him. And man, you, maybe you pulled yourself out of the game because you just thought, yeah, I, I tried that. It didn't work. I messed it up. No, 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 no. God's bigger than all that. But we miss the opportunity sometimes because we doubt it will work. We, we don't think we have enough. I mean, surely that guy was sitting there going, right? he got five, I, he got two, I only got one. I don't have enough to do anything significant. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough ability here. And we can so easily go, that guy over there, he's going to serve because he's got more than I do. He can give more than me. He can give more time than me. He has more talent or abilities or skills or whatever. And we look at that and we go, I just don't have enough. And we're dismissing the power of God when we do that. God's like, I don't have enough, so I'm just going to bury it in the ground. Missed out, completely missed out on the opportunity. We make it all about us. I, I just think in the, there, there had to have been something like, like what, what's in it for me? I'm a, if I take the talent and I make another talent and I give it back to him, he gets more talents. What would what, what I get? He's missing the reward that's coming. And we think, no, no, I want to serve me. I want to build my kingdom. I want to make it all about me. And so we don't engage. We don't serve. We don't jump in where God has put an opportunity right in front of us. We miss it all the time because we're making it all about us. Now, here's the deal. If you're here at this church and you're part of this church and you've been here for a while and you're not yet serving, we want to fix that because we don't want you to miss out on that. We don't, want to want, we don't want you to miss out on the blessing that God has for you, the opportunity right in front of you. And maybe you're going, I don't even know where I would serve. You come talk to me today. Come find me. Say, I don't know where to serve, but I want to serve. I'll, man, that'll be like an adventure we'll go on. We'll figure out a great place for you to serve. We got needs all over the place. It looks like things are going well. And then you show up and the screens don't work. We got needs everywhere. We got a spot for you, an opportunity right in front of you right now. And we don't want you to miss out because you're missing out on the blessing. You're missing out on the reward. You're missing out on so much when you're not engaged in the game. But if I'm being really honest with you today, you're kind of living with an attitude that says this is all about you. And you wouldn't say it out loud like I wouldn't. But if I shift into, I'm just here to get something out of this, see what I can get out of this and not give into this, you're kind of saying this is about me, it's not about the master, I'm here for me. And we don't want you to do that. We want you in the game filling fulfilling the calling that God has on your life, the opportunity that he has in front of you. At the end of the day, this guy missed the opportunity because he just doesn't trust God. He just doesn't believe that God can do what God can do. And so he's like, I'm not doing that. This opportunity is too big. I don't have enough. It won't work. You just, do you trust God or not? How you view God will determine whether you embrace the opportunities in front of you or you miss the opportunities. It's, it's that simple. Is your view of God big enough to use even you and even me? Or is he so limited that he probably can't do it? How you view God? Is he working for your benefit? Is he going to work all things for good? All those things, all those promises in Scripture, is he big enough to accomplish all that or is he not? How you view him, how you trust him will determine if you miss this or you embrace it. I mean, this guy, he said, I can't trust any of this for the master, so I'm going to take this talent. I don't want anything bad to happen to us. I'm going to bury it in the ground. I'm going to hide it. He hid his talent. 
And talents weren't meant to be hidden. Well, when we talk about just talents, some talents were meant to be hidden. Like some of you guys have hidden talents, and we probably don't need to talk about that a whole lot. Like for me, I can go over that piano, I can play Stuck on You by Lionel Richie. It's a hidden talent. I took nine years of piano lessons. That's the only song I can still remember. I don't ever share that talent with people because if I do, my wife will go up there and she'll play Open Arms by Journey. And that beats me every time. Journey beats Lionel Richie every day and all night long. It just beats it, right? Just part of the process. I appreciate that from a few of you. So, I don't, like, we could start, like, raise your hand if you've got a hidden talent, do some stupid human tricks, that'd be fun. Like, Kai can fold his ear up inside of his ear and then pop it out. Really strange. Something you would expect Kai to do. That's a hidden talent that needs to maybe remain hidden. But kids, if you're listening, like, go find Kai after the service and make sure he does it. So, man, this thing that God's talking about here, you don't want to bury it. You don't want to miss this opportunity. And trust God to do what only God can do when you're just obedient and you're just faithful. Because here's the deal. Good and faithful servants, last one, are rewarded according to how they have served. Say it again for those writing it down. Good and faithful servants are rewarded according to how they have served. You get that? It's not what you produce, but it's how you serve that's rewarded. This guy came in, and God, the master gave him five talents, and he produced five more talents. So now we've got ten years of wages that he's giving back to the master. And the master says, wow, you did it. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were, you were faithful with a little, and I'm going to give you a whole lot to be responsible for. Come and enjoy the joy of your master. And this other guy comes up, and he's like, you gave me two, and I made two more. And he's like, wow, you did it. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a little. I'm going to give you so much more responsibility. Come, enjoy the joy of your master. It wasn't about the amount. It was about the faithfulness. God rewards our faithfulness. Whether you have a little or you have a lot, God's ready to bestow rewards on you and blessings on you when you're faithful with it. R.C. Sproul in his book, What Do, the, what do Jesus' Parables Mean? said this about this parable. He says, we're all gifted by the Holy Spirit from ministry. Every member of minister, everybody has an opportunity. And at, at the time of the coming of Jesus, he will have an accounting with us. Jesus will say, and listen to this, I gave you this ability. I gave you this opportunity. I gave you this mission. What'd you do with it? Let's be the people. They go, you gave me this opportunity, and I just ran with it. I just trusted you enough to do it. Whether I was a, a, a grade school kid or a teenager or an older adult, like I just I put, I took the opportunity in front of you, and I trusted you with it, and I walked in obedience, and I found your power working through me to accomplish what I could have never accomplished on my own. And then here's the end. Jesus says, well done. You were faithful with a little. Come joy Enjoy the joy of your master. Let's be a church that is faithful with what God has put in front of us in this community and all the world. And let's be people, individual people, that every single one of us is faithful with what God has put in front of us, the opportunity he's given you right here, right now, so that you can walk in obedience while we're waiting for his return, that we can hear him say, well done, you good and faithful servant. Come, 
Let's have some joy. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your love for us. God, you love us so much that you rescued us. You sent Jesus to save us when we had no hope. And then in the waiting, God, you've given us a part to play, a role to play in your mission and building your kingdom. You, you've given us an opportunity to join you in your work. We, we don't deserve that. We, we, we know you could accomplish it all without us, but you've decided to give us a, a, a role, a way to serve. God, for your glory, would you help us to be a people that are obedient to, and embrace the opportunities that are right in front of us? That we would all serve to build your kingdom, to build your church, to share your love with the world around us. For your glory, God, and our joy as we follow you. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen.